This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, the Supreme Court of Canada has issued judgments in two cases that have to do with privacy and text messages. One of the questions, do you have a reasonable expectation of privacy in your sent text messages? Well, the answer it seems a little bit mixed. Kaylee DePuma is the acting litigation director for the BC Civil Liberties Association and joins us on the line to talk more about the ruling. Kaylee, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, interesting findings. Let's start with the one about your reasonable, your expectation of privacy if you have sent text messages, because I think that's one that would first uh, get people in thinking, wait a minute, I've sent private information or have sent information only intended for this other person uh, does that information are you still do you still have privacy of that to after you've sent it and it's gone off um so, so the court confirmed um that canadians um may have a reasonable expectation of privacy in um text communications and that that expectation doesn't end after they hit the send button um, they did not create kind of a bright line rule, of course, um, as they often do. They uh, weighed the factors that go into determining whether Section 8 of the Charter, which is what give us our, our privacy protections, um, whether it was infringed. And, and so it's on a case-by-case basis, but I think um, generally the court recognized uh, that, that Canadians do have an expectation of privacy in messages even after they've been sent. And is that, does the ruling deal with, it was one specific case, but does that deal with somebody who receives a text message sharing it with anybody or in perhaps a more serious case, sharing it with police? Yeah, this was just about um, police and it was actually about police um, seizing the phone of uh, the person who received um, text messages um, from the accused. And so um, it wasn't about kind of someone coming forward to the police and voluntarily giving them information. Um, it was about police kind of um, working around uh, uh, the, the, you know, the situation where they're seizing the actual device of the accused and just going to a person who'd received his text messages. And the Attorney General of Canada was actually arguing that um, that Mr. Marica, the person who'd sent the messages, um, could not uh, raise the charter as a protection, did not have standing to do so um, uh, because he'd already sent the messages. Um, and uh, and the court rejected that proposition and said um, and said that he could argue that his Section 8 charter rights were breached, even though it wasn't his device um, on which the, the messages were found. Uh, but then the court also ruled that police don't have to meet the, the very stringent standard as far as getting a warrant to get the messages, maybe not from the recipient, but from the telecommunications provider. Yeah, so this was kind of a, a case that was heard at the same time um, on different facts. Um, this was about the kind of warrant requirements um, that police will have to meet uh, before getting um, sent messages directly from a telecommunications provider. And the BCCLA went to court and we argued that they should meet the very stringent warrant requirements um, that police have to meet for wiretapping a phone. Um, and that's because we understand that Canadians are using text messages more and more um, to replace kind of phone conversations. It's um, it's becoming a, a primary form of communication um, for a great many Canadians. Um, and and the court rejected that argument. They said that um, that all the police had to do was satisfy the the much lower um, standard 
uh, for a production order, which is just like producing documents um, that you can issue to to a third party. Um, so that's an unfortunate development in the law. Um, the interesting thing about the case is that uh, the only um, major telecommunications provider that retains um, sent text messages for any period of time appears to be TELUS. Um, so for uh, customers who use Rogers or Bell, um, there's not a risk that police will be able to collect their sent text messages just under this production order because they actually don't retain them. Uh, interesting. So if you're on one of those carriers and if you've sent information that you're worried about, uh, which I, I'm guessing that doesn't happen all the time, but if you are worried about it somehow becoming part of a police investigation, if you've deleted your sent message, the recipient has deleted the received message, and it's after a certain time, there's there's no way to get it? That's right. Yeah. So um, so telecommunications providers generally don't keep your your private communications in the same way that they don't um, record your phone conversations. Um, TELUS, as part of its infrastructure, um, keeps those messages for some period of time. And so um, so for, for that, um, yes, even after you've deleted it, the recipient has deleted it, there is still a copy being retained, and police can obtain that through a production order um, after uh, Friday's decision. Do you know how long TELUS keeps them? Um, I don't know uh, the answer to that. Um, I think that um, a lot of people are asking uh, questions about that now, um, that this decision came out. The court was quite pointed um, about uh, this really being an issue um, based on the evidence in front of them for, for TELUS users. So I suspect they'll have something more to say about that. All right. Um, what does this do as far as uh, we've all been to, or at least media, we've been to cases where, um, and I'm thinking of uh, there, there was a police-involved shooting in a McDonald's parking lot. I mean, it's the norm now for people to take their phones out to, to get video, to take pictures of things as they're unfolding. And it's also the norm for police officers to then want that evidence. What do, Does this change anything as far as uh, what, access police have or, or what powers they have to take your phone and to access what information you might have on your phone? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it does. I think um, this is one case in kind of a series of cases that have started to come out um, where the court is grappling with um, with the changing technology that has now become very entrenched in um, our daily lives. So that the law has really struggled to keep up with. Um, confirming that Canadians have a reasonable expectation of privacy in their sent messages. Um, it, it will take that step um, to to ensure that police um, aren't kind of uh, doing in runs around um, warrant requirements under the criminal code um, and uh, that, you know, that Canadians have some Section 8 um, privacy in the contents of these devices that um, that have become very integrated into their into their daily lives. And and do you see this being used in cases in that would police be looking at something say to establish contact between people or to uh, establish a pattern of where somebody was or what somebody was saying because it seems like through text messages even though it might go from one device to another uh, there's no guarantee that the intended recipient was the person who read the message um, you don't know tone through text messages where you might say something that that appears to be incriminating but it might have been a joke. Uh, does that become a bit of a gray area? Yeah, I think it probably does. I think the same thing happens with email as well. Um, and, you know, I think all of that 
um, those kinds of arguments about what was intended when um, a message was sent will will um, really be a case by case kind of determination if a trial judge is looking at them trying to figure out what was meant um, by a text message. But um, but I think that um, that you know it's it, very positive development that the court has recognized um, uh, that that people do send highly private personal information by text message um, and and that, you know, police can't simply sort of um, ca- catch that um, because it's already been sent and the person's kind of lost control of it, that um, the court the court did reject that uh, altogether. Uh, even with that the rejection, though, is it still a bit of a cautionary tale in in that our privacy, uh, we, we tend to give our privacy away or we, we, we leave ourselves vulnerable as we become more and more tech savvy? Yeah, you know, the court can, can take steps to protect um, protect your privacy from kind of government intrusion, take reasonable steps, but really it's up to Canadians to kind of think uh, a bit about um, what, um, what their privacy uh, means, what they want it to mean, um, and to take the steps that they can to, um, to protect their privacy and just think twice before, um, you know, kind of sending sort of deeply private information over any kind of um, uh, digital media. Would you like to see the laws change to uh, have telecommunications providers uh, such as TELUS not be allowed to keep that information? Yeah, I, I think there's absolutely no um, no reasonable basis um, for, for a telecommunications provider to retain that kind of information. If um, TELUS can't change its system for some reason, um, some technological reason that's beyond me, um, then I think it's just really important that um, that its customers understand um, and appreciate that um, that their their private messages will be held by this telecommunications provider for a period of time. They understand um, what that means for their privacy, not only with respect to police intrusion, but I suppose other other forms of intrusion, um, hacking, and, and other things. I mean, if the information is sitting there. Um, then, uh, then that's obviously, you know, a concern for for people that care about their privacy. And you're right; people do send uh, private uh, conversations, uh, photos. Uh, I would imagine there's a lot of information that's sent that uh, people would not like uh, to see somebody hack into, or, or 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 just not knowing who might be able to access it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much. These are uh, extremely uh, interesting findings. Uh, thank you so much for breaking it down for us. Appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. All right. Thank you again. That is uh, Kaylee DePuma, Acting Litigation Director for the BC Civil Liberties Association. Uh, this was two findings, two judgments from the Supreme Court of Canada uh, having to do with privacy and text messages. If you want to read more about this, uh, you can check out their website, uh, the BC Civil Liberties. Well, you can read the Supreme Court of Canada judgment too. But if you want to read the Civil Liberties Association response to it, you can go to their website, bccla.org, and check that out. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.